Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week's episode recorded live at the Sydney Goldstein Theater in San Francisco at SF Sketchfest. This was the penultimate stop on our Frontier Justice Tour of the West, but uh, penultimate just means second to last. These were all epic shows. Every single one of these was ultimate in that they took place in an alternate universe where we wore slightly different costumes. Let's go to the stage at the beautiful Sydney Goldstein Theater in my hometown, San Francisco, California. Well, oh, this time it's mine. San Francisco, you've come to us, desperate for justice. We're here at the Sydney Goldstein Theater to deliver it. Let's bring out our first set of litigants. Please welcome to the stage, Nate and Chan. <laughs> Nate brings the case against his partner, Chan. Nate and Chan lived together in a building that was once a Masonic Lodge. One of the rooms in their apartment has a strange door that opens onto a dark and mysterious hallway. Nate wants to investigate the hallway. Chan wants him to leave that mystery door alone. <laughs> who's right, who's wrong, only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers an obscure cultural reference. Incredible architecture, historic building, oldest fraternity in history, wisdom of the ages. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Nate and Chan, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that the only fraternal organization that would have him was the British novelty fraternal organization, the Ancient Order of the Froth Blowers? I do. I do. Two can make obscure cultural references, John. <laughs> Nathan Chan, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of your favors. Can either of you name the piece of uh, culture that I referenced as I entered this courtroom? Nate, why don't you go first? Well, it sounds like something uh, Masonic. Sounds like something Masonic. But I have no idea what that would be. Sure. So I'm going to go with something that just sounds like our case, which is the book The Secret Garden. The book The Secret Garden. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Chan, what is your guess? I don't know. <laughs> you have to make a guess. Oh, no. All and right. it can't be The Secret Garden. No. And nor should it be. <laughs> I agree. I, I will say, Chan, if you're ever in need of a catchphrase, I don't know. It's not bad. It's not a bad option for you. Just be honest, right? What's yeah, your guess, You Chan? still need to make a guess. I'm sorry. Oh, um, Doesn't have to be right. Just has to be a guess. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It is something Masonic. <laughs> okay. Um, and you live in a you live in a in a former Masonic lodge. I mean, that's the whole premise of the case. That's why mm -hmm. something is. So maybe I don't know. Um, do you have books in your house? I have quite a few. You have quite a few. Mm -hmm. What's do one of them? <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's po do you think it's possible that um, to prepare for this case, I might have waited until you left your home and went into it and found one of your favorite books and picked a quote from it? 
Which cookbook would that have been? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's your favorite cookbook? This is good. I like this. What's your favorite cookbook? Right now, it's Brown Sugar Kitchen. Brown Sugar Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Terrific. And That's... I actually made uh, a meal for, for it today. Oh, really? What did yeah. you make? Uh, it's fried chicken, homemade mm-hmm. sweet mashed potatoes, and homemade um, baked beans. Wow. Well, Chan, guess what? You're absolutely right. It is Brown Sugar Kitchen. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, I'm afraid we have to hear the case. That, of course, I'm surprised you didn't know. Uh, is the whole of the five-star review given by Nicholas Robinson on Google Maps to the Masonic Lodge in the city where you live. <laughs> Reviewed the lodge. I won't say the name of the city because I don't want because this is about where you live. I don't want to blow up your spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you, you do need to check your security in your building because I was able to get in there quite easily. It was almost as if there was a secret door into your apartment. <laughs> Who seeks justice in this court? Uh, I bring the case. And Nate, what is the, what is the nature of the justice you seek? Does it involve uh, a secret door in your apartment? Yes, well, we recently, you know, a few months ago, moved into what um, used to be a Masonic Lodge. We actually moved into a, what used to be the attic of a Masonic Lodge. This all sounds very promising. <laughs> been converted into a, really a loft apartment. I didn't see this on Zilla before you did. Sure, sure. Nate, that skeleton country. <laughs> Um, our um, converted Masonic Lodge is, of course, bolstered on one side by an even older Masonic Lodge that no longer is in action, and a newer Masonic Lodge that is in action. Wait a minute, you're saying that Both your sides. immediate sandwiched neighbor, in between them. The immediate neighbor of your building on one side is an active Masonic Lodge, mm-hmm. and then on the other side is an even more haunted, derelict Masonic Lodge than the one whose attic you live in currently. I haven't gotten into that one yet either. You haven't, okay. And what do you, and what do you have in, in your apartment that uh, you well, want to explore? There is, in the back of one of the bedrooms, there is a door that you, you kind of almost miss it if you didn't pay attention because it's painted just the same color as the wall. There is no handle on this door. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> we became aware of its existence, but um, never had access to getting sight of it, except for me thinking I was going to have to buy a crowbar to find out the mystery of this door. So it had no handle, and you could not open it? No. I see. But you became... I love the passive construction of we became aware of its existence. (laughs) Like, just one day you woke up with that in your mind. (laughs) Well, you clearly don't live in the attic of a defunct Masonic Lodge. (laughs) Obviously, you are excited to live in this attic. Yes. Tell me me about your fascination with living in derelict Masonic lodges. What about it sparks your imagination? Well, when we first came looking for a place, um, I like living in places that are odd in in general. And so we came there in the first... It was literally the first um, apartment we looked at. It was literally the first Masonic lodge we looked at, (laughs) Your Honor. It the list was right long, but we didn't even have to see the others. <laughs> We've seen a few Elks Lodges and a Moose Lodge, but... <laughs> we have standards. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy HGTV Lodge Hunters. But I, <laughs> I like Lodge Hunters International more. Yeah. They're all running from They're something. all running from something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if the goal was a place that... Um, first off, it's, it's a nice large apartment, and also it is certainly one of a kind. 
Do you have a, a, a pre-existing fascination with the history of the fraternal organization and center of worldwide conspiracy theories known as the Freemasons? I think you pretty much summed up my uh, previous knowledge of it. Okay, good. <laughs> but you want to, in, in the tradition of the Freemasons, expand your knowledge. You, are, you are a seeker and a learner, and you want to get into that secret door. Who wouldn't? Well, I, I would venture to say your partner Chan <laughs> does not want to go through the door, nor does Chan want you to, you to go through the door. Chan, what is the nature of your, uh, of your feelings on this matter? Well, the evidence that we provided for you, Nate even told me, go get those pictures, and I didn't even feel comfortable doing that. You, you did send in some evidence, and you're telling me that just taking the pictures... Uh, it did make me feel uneasy. It made you feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Let's um, take a look at the pictures. Uh, Family Feud style, show me the evidence! <laughs> I have not let the record show. I have not yet turned around, and already the audience <laughs> has given me a hint to how terrifying this might be. Let the record show that if anyone doubted the authenticity of this photograph as coming from a Judge John Hodgman listener, the giant bookshelf full of board games. (laughs) (laughs) That's you, Chan? That's me. That's you? Yeah. This is taken in what I call my playroom, my craft room, and sometimes it's known as the laughing room. Except the, the laughing room? Yeah, we have a neighbor down below who laughs very hysterically, very often, and very all throughout the night. By the way, we only assume it's from down below. <laughs> You're Chan. saying that the, the attic room in the haunted Masonic Lodge <laughs> that has the secret door in it is plagued by maniacal laughter from unknown sources. Yeah. If that, is that what you're saying? That's correct, Your Honor. I can't believe I missed out on this real estate opportunity. This is my kind of place. It's a tale as old as time. All right. So, yes, I can see how this door, and obviously the photos will all be available online on our Instagram and so forth, but I can see how this door might come to your attention <laughs> when you enter the room. Was that, was that bookshelf full of board games in front of it prior to that? As though, like, Rosemary's Baby style, they're trying to keep someone out? <laughs> no, that's my personal effects. That's your, okay. So, yes, that's a very creepy-looking door. If I may point out that the, to the left of the middle of the door, that is a uh, light switch that affects absolutely nothing, at least on our side. <laughs> your side of the spectral divide? I also noticed that there is a, you know, one of those hotel door style uh, manual locks on top of the door there. Well, yeah. what's that for? I asked, I asked him to install that after, um, <laughs> after coming home from work one day and he mentions about a nightmare he may or may not have had. Well, what, what was the nightmare that you may or may not have had, Nate? Uh, well, I was, um, I'd fallen asleep on the couch, as is my want. Sure. And I have is this a happening dir- inside the nightmare? You're dreaming of a dream of a dream? Well, it, it's complicated. It's Not really. <laughs> Give it a second. Oh, all right. So I fell asleep on the couch. I have a direct eye line from that couch to, this, to the secret door to nowhere in right. the next room. While I'm on the couch, I start to have a dream that I am sleeping on that same couch, but I wake up from the couch in the dream right. to look at the door to see it slowly opening in somebody's head, looking in at me. 
and then it's slowly closing again as in the head peeks back behind the door. Then I woke we up from that. We need a little campfire up here, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> These are scary tales. And I woke up from that dream, what I think is a dream, to find myself sleeping on the couch I was sleeping on in the dream, staring at the door. So you're, you're suggesting that maybe, you, you suspect that maybe it wasn't a dream at I, all. I don't think, so. I, I think it was just very spooky. Yeah. But um, it was certainly, it certainly came with feelings in the middle of the night. When... <laughs> what, did, uh, what did the head of the, uh, the peering through the door look like? Uh, it was not someone you recognized. Not I think like it, a, no, no, it was not like a podcast. You're looking for a cookbook. It kind of, it kind of felt like, and I, it's hard to describe what it looked like because you know dream logic. But it kind of felt like if somebody did that in a David Lynch movie to you. Right, right. Looked like Bob from Twin Peaks, maybe. <laughs> sure. What any That's number what of characters from Mulholland Drive. So then you decided to put a lock on there to prevent your dream from coming the, through. By her request. Well. You know, I get home from work. He's sharing oh. this disturbing story. Yeah, right. This is, and I tell him, "Well, that sells it. I would like for you to put a lock on it." But before we got the lock, so oh. I'm playing in my listen, playroom. Listen to these two master storytellers. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. You got this. Go on. Well, so I'm playing in my playroom, and off the corner of my eye, the door just seemed different. Let me ask you. Playing in your playroom, were you playing with, like, a Ouija board? <laughs> I actually don't own one of those yet. Oh, okay. Interesting. But, good suggestion so for the holidays. So up, up until we bring this case to you, we weren't able to actually open this door. But this one day, shortly after this dream, it looked different. And I, no. Stop it, it, Chan. Stop. It just looked a little no. different off the core no. of my eye. No. No. So. No. So I did what any Chan, no. rational person Chan, would do. No, 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 shut it down. Everyone go home. Take care of your children. Goodbye. This is the end of the podcast forever. After the nightmare, the door changed appearance or seemed to be... It looked like it's a jar, and it was. It looked... Uh, <laughs> So this door that you couldn't open, I remember Nate was telling me about two years ago uh, that he was going to get a crowbar to open the door, and now you're telling me after he dreamed yes. that, a, that, a, that a spooky Bob from Twin Peaks had poked his head out at him, that now it was left ajar. John, yes. I have a riddle for you. When is <laughs> the one door that protects you from the horrors of the spectral realm not the one door that protects you from the horrors of the spectral realm? When it's a jar. <laughs> I do, I have an architectural note about yeah. this photograph. Something that is fascinating me here is that this door has no door handle, which we've addressed. Right. But it does has, have a ramp, mm -hmm. which yeah. suggests that they're concerned about mobility impairment in the ghost community. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. ADA compliance is very important in the Twilight Realm. Yeah. Okay, so then you got the door open. I believe that we have a photo of that too. Show me door open. No. Oh no, please. <laughs> that was a genuine shriek from the audience. First of all, 
nice dragon painting up in the upper right corner of that. <laughs> Thank you. Did you do that yourself, Chan? That's mine. That's really nice work. I really like that. What's charcoal, pencil? What are we talking about there? Mixed media. Mixed media, yeah, yeah. I should have known. Of course. Sorry about that. I, 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 still, I, I still got it. <laughs> this is a steel door, it looks like to me, or some kind of insulated yeah, door. It's, How would it, you describe it? It's, yeah, if you knock on it, it feels like some sort of metal, and you can see it obviously looks... Why are you knocking on this fucking door? <laughs> <laughs> it's knocked first. Whoa. <laughs> okay. But okay. if you, you can tell it's metal because if you look into a mirror and say its name three times. <laughs> and it's got a slide bolt on it yes. on the other side. On the other side. There seems to be a certain amount of mutual distrust between you <laughs> and the denizens of the dark hallway. It's, it's, it's as though the other pe- people on the other side have had the same wariness about us. And, and then it's also full of caulk and paint, which is fairly mundane but also fairly creepy. But I don't see the hallway that's being discussed or the corridor or the passage. Uh, if you have that in your evidence, we, we did submit it. All right. Show me the passage. Nope. That's, oh, a, wow. that's, that's a close-up of the lock. We but, wanted to make sure that was noticed. But there's another but there a is, photo yes. over here But then as there well. is the passage with weird brick walls that I can narrowly slide down if I had the permission to. Right. Okay. So now I see. Go back to the previous slide for a second so I can get my bearings. So, so if you take a left, it, you take a left. Mm-hmm. So you move. You're, you're, what you're suggesting happen, Nate, <laughs> is that you move those cans of paint and caulk. I can just step over them. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> it's even easier. <laughs> yeah. It's like they they built the passage in a Masonic lodge, but they didn't remove the cans of paint. No, I don't want to move somebody else's stuff. Yeah, I know, especially ghost stuff. So, okay, if you, you can, you're saying you can maneuver around those cans of paint yes. to, to work your way into a crawl space. Which, despite with flashlights, we cannot see how it ends or where it ends. It does look like it turns in another direction. Say the words despite flashlights again. <laughs> did, you, did you shine a light down that passage? Yes, and you cannot see where it ends. Chan? True story. <laughs> Are you just trying to scare me? <laughs> All right, let's go back to that next slide. I'm fascinated by the idea that he could just barely slide through the brick passageway, which sounds to me almost certainly like what they call a self-cask of Amontillado in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are there any other photos, or can we move on from this nightmare? Okay. Oh, oh, that's okay. That's the the lock that I installed afterwards to compete with their lock. And has it... (laughs) And has it, uh, has, has it ever been tested? Like, do you ever see the door rattling, the lock being pushed? <laughs> Not yet, no. which is why it needs to like, be explored. Housekeeping, housekeeping, <laughs> no, none of that? Okay. And is that, that's the final slide. Well, that's a terrifying journey into a, <laughs> a dread nightmare of undeniable cosmic proportions. Um, you want to go in there? I think it's a moral imperative that I do. <laughs> All right, Immanuel Kant, tell me why it's a moral imperative. Okay, uh, first off, I think the very common dream um, that uh, where people dream that there's a secret door or something in their house, yeah, it some, has something to do with, I don't know, I'm not sure why I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, but I know it's a common dream. We have one. I think everyone would say that it would be a terrible choice not to be somebody who rarely has a secret door and you actually get to explore it in the real world. I think that that's very interesting. It's true. I have often had the dream that there is a secret door in my home that I discover a lot more 
square footage in. <laughs> what do you think is going to be in there? Maybe it's like a, 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 cool, a cool extra bedroom? Or maybe you can make an office in there? Yeah, the Masonic treasure room. The Masonic, that's been hidden for years. The Masonic treasure room. Could be a treasure room. <laughs> there is one person who does not want you to go in there. Chan, why not? I think it's mostly my apprehension of I don't know the sturdiness or the safety. Mm -hmm. And should he fall through the floor, we're not talking 10 feet. We're talking a whole level, which could be 20 feet. What's below you, aside from um, maniacal laughing I, ghosts? Pit of snakes. <laughs> I do know snakes. Neighbor, neighbor below <laughs> me lives in the ballroom, and I've seen the ballroom, and those are very high ceilings, and that would be a very fall far for at him. The, at the very least, it would be an, an awkward moment but, for you to fall into your neighbor's <laughs> living room. But at least the fire department is right across the street if I needed to call EMS. I mean, honestly, I, I would be a little concerned too, Chan, that, that Nate might get stuck in there, like physically stuck and unable to get out. Right, and that's also my the other way, concern. The way I was showing off at my uncle's house in Vermont that time, and I lowered myself <laughs> into the laundry chute, and I got stuck in there. Well, that just sounds irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a moral imperative, personally. <laughs> But I'll be the judge. Chan, have either of you made inquiries to whoever is responsible for this building to know what this access space, to, to, to guess at what the space might be? I'm glad you asked that. The yeah. answer is no, because then there'd be no mystery or um, friction. I'm also afraid they'll take it away from us. <laughs> we, need, we need conflict in our lives, and this is conflict. <laughs> You're afraid that they're going to take your apartment away from you, or that <laughs> no, the door will just disappear? They'll drywall it up, and then we'll it'll never know. Be, it'll be straight-up drywall the next time you walk in there, and it's gone. I'm pretty sure through that hallway I'm going to end up finding an entrance into one of the other Masonic lodges to explore them. <sighs> it's just thin drywall separating us from them. It looks to me a little bit, Nate, and I hate to say this, it mm. looked to me to be a little bit just like a storage area. Just like an extra space. That's where they put the paint cans, but that's just a... They just don't want you to know. <laughs> <clears throat> Any other conspiracy theories you subscribe to before... Thanks for asking. Before we go? <laughs> Since we are live streaming throughout the world, I just want to make sure... Okay. So, Nate, obviously you would like me to rule that you, that you are allowed to go in there as soon as possible. Maybe yeah, even I'd, I would tonight. have an objection to one of her points, which is I think it's, it, it, despite the fact of what it looks like, I think the floor is going to be as safe as any floor in a building. It's just this very strange-looking area. So I don't think safety, from my opinion, or is really a concern. Flashlights will not penetrate the darkness <laughs> of this corridor into another realm. The, your words, not mine. <laughs> Though I did punch them up. <laughs> Thank you. John, it's completely safe. The fire department is across the street. <laughs> <laughs> Their alarm goes off. They have a special alarm for Amontilladoing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick recess and hear about this week's Judge John Hodgman sponsor. We'll be back in just a moment on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, always brought to you by you, 
the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Chan, uh, would you want me to rule that he's just not allowed to and, and just live in perpetual curiosity forever? I've been enjoying the curiosity. You, you, you th do you feel that it will be sad if he finds the answer at the end of that tunnel? Yeah, and then I'll be sad because he'll be sad. And then we don't have this conflict anymore. Cause I know what would know. make me sadder. <laughs> Not finding out at all. <laughs> I don't know if we have any more secret doors, Your Honor. We just have the one. We don't want to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, aren't you afraid that you will go in there and you will find that it is not 
anything particularly scary or frightening or interesting or treasure-filled? I don't, I don't think there's um, a bad solution to this. Obviously, you know, whatever ideas one might have in their head are... I think there's are, a bad solution. ...are going to be... Bricked in and devoured by rats. <laughs> that's just the one that I just thought of right then. That, I that's could write not a, a dozen more scenarios. That's more of a result than a solution. You could step on a rusty spike and then die of tetanus alone. Well... I'll wear could the be nice gators, shoes. too. <laughs> could be gators. Could be, could be some of those Bay Area wall gators. Sure. I, I've seen <laughs> enough Mr. Magoo it. episodes. I know how that works. Yeah. Some kid a few years ago got an alligator as a pet and got tired of it and flushed it into the walls. <laughs> True story. There you go. True story. That alligator eats light, eats flashlight light. Sure. So it lives on. Nate, Scary. Nate, what would it be like for you if you went into the wall and you found that it was just a storage closet? I think that would be, I'd be fine with it because I would, I mean, obviously it would be way cooler to find other things in other passageways or whatever, but I'd be fine just knowing the answer. The thing I would be least happy with is having a secret door that never gets um, explored. That would make you unhappy to have a secret door that never gets explored. Yeah, I think it would make almost everyone unhappy. You see, okay, I understand. <clears throat> Chan, what would be the ideal ruling? Okay, you can applaud that. <laughs> Chan, what would be the ideal ruling that you would offer? Or ask me to rule in this case? Obviously no, but should you decide in his favor, I would like to stipulate that I should be home for this. Right. Just in case. Because if he tries to call me at work, I don't think he's going to reach me. If he falls in anywhere. Um... Do you have any problem with that, Nate, or do you need to be no, I, I was home, actually... home alone and it has to be 2 a.m.? <laughs> well, that would kind of make it spookier, but um, I assumed she would be there standing a safe distance away from the scary door while I can call back to her my reports on what I found. I have no problem with doing it safely. How, do you, yes. how are you going to equip yourself? Um, I assume a rope around the waist so when I fall down into the ballroom... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to belay for you as you? That's when the fire department gets called. <laughs> what? What else are you going to get? Like a little? Uh, uh, he, he oh, that sounds like a good idea. So I can have both hands free. He can borrow my headlamp. Do you, oh, do you do some some caving? No, it's mostly for working on engines, and sometimes it's dark. You know, I don't think Nate, you should be going into this hole. She should. Chan should. <laughs> She has the practical skills. <laughs> Chan, what, what, what do you think about Nate's proposed uh, uh, gear setup? A rope around his waist <laughs> and your headlamp turned. Is there anything else that you, I mean, Let me see. Let's, say, let's, say, let's say that you were in my position and you were advising him. Let's say you were, uh, I don't know, uh, the manager of a whole exploring company and you were trying to help him out. What would make you feel better if you were to go in there? Man, how else can he look ridiculous? Um, <laughs> put on a hard hat. You uh-huh. can you can have Keep me going. wear your coveralls from work. He can wear my coveralls. Protect me from nails and such. What about um, uh, uh, work boots? He can't fit my work boots, so no. <laughs> no one can fill your work boots, Jan. No one. <laughs> I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'll be back in a moment with my verdict. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. <laughs> Is that okay?
Shan, so. how are you feeling about the chances it, that you have in this case? I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to be heard at a very fair platform. And, you know, I, I'll be happy with it either way. Uh, Nate, how are you feeling? Uh, I've been surprised by some rulings before, but um, I think I've got the, the weight of justice in history and, um, <laughs> and human nature on my side. Nate, how are we supposed to trust your judgment about anything when I'm looking at your outfit and you can't even decide whether it's hot or cold? <laughs> I like your outfit, too. You look, you look great, Nate. You look great. We'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say about this. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. <laughs> Nate, there's nothing in there. <laughs> there's nothing in there. It's just a simple storage space, and the Freemasons are not at the center of a worldwide conspiracy designed to create a one-world government and control us and all of our thoughts. They're not lizard people. They're, 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 they, sure, many of them are powerful figures in their community, politicians, world leaders, and so forth, but they're just a simple fraternal order for people to get together and hold swords at each other's throats and say things about a supreme being that only they can define for themselves and wear, wear interesting aprons and have fun. It's just, it's nothing is that. Not, not, nothing that you've read about them is true. And that's just a storage closet. Now you try to make up a fun, scary story for old Judge John Hodgman talking about your nightmare that may not be a nightmare, a door that becomes mysteriously ajar. And did you scare me? Yeah, you scared me. <laughs> <laughs> the two of you are incredible storytellers. There's nothing there, Nate. There's nothing there. How does that make you feel? I have 100% confidence that you're going to Geraldo Rivera this if you go back there. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for Gen X. That was for Gen X. <laughs> for Gen X. Walker Percy, the novelist, wrote, it's better to know than not to know. And honestly, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of many, many situations in my life where it would have been much better that I never knew. There is something, I think, beguiling about the question mark that is right there in your apartment, staring at you, making you wonder. Wonderment is something that we, uh, is in short supply in this world. Because right now, it's very real. It's not as wonderful as it might be. I really do sympathize with Chan's feeling that like, why would you want to find out the boring, mundane truth about this thing that is obviously not a secret passage to the secret world government headquarters? And I'm therefore ordering that you move out of that apartment immediately. <laughs> You've gotten too close to the truth and you need to be relocated. <laughs> Various graduates of Yale University are waiting outside for you <laughs> in a van painted with skulls and bones to take you mm. to a new life <laughs> where I guarantee you there will be no surprises. <laughs> Nate, there's nothing back there but you're going in that hole.
because you're absolutely right. This is the, this is the stuff of dreams. An apartment that has a secret door, you might find a swimming pool in there. You, you, you might find a cat cafe. You might find a hotel where you are always the caretaker in your apartment. You have to go through a secret locked door in your apartment, even though that, that story you told was very scary, and even though I actually am fairly confident that it's just going to be a bunch of rusty nails and you're going to end up in the hospital. <laughs> so, to counteract that bad outcome, I further order not only that you go into the hole, but that, Chan, you have to outfit Nate. <laughs> And I really appreciated what you said. How can I make him look as ridiculous as possible? <laughs> I really look. You're a talented artist. Mm -hmm. Start doing some sketches <laughs> of some of his exploring outfits. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I want. I want to see like Ghostbusters type stuff, times a thousand. <laughs> I need. There needs to be a very special branded coveralls. Some kind of proton pack has got to be a part of this thing. <laughs> so long as it doesn't get him stuck. I'm thinking because it could, because there is sticking in there, that, that he needs to have like that character in Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, uh, the two, the two, uh, the two bottles of oil that he can, uh. that he can squirt on himself in case he gets into a tight spot, <laughs> and he needs to get lubricated, needs to lube himself out of there or whatever. I need you to think because obviously Nate is a dreamer. Keep dreaming, Nate. You're the practical one with the boots and the and the knowledge and the skills. I need you to think of every eventuality, every, every tight corner, every bad outcome, and create something that not only will help him be safe, but also will make him look dumb. I'll, I'll get him an Indiana Jones hat to top it off. Sure. Ah, uh, whatever it is, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I urge you to sketch it. You don't have to submit it to me for your approval. Um, whatever you decide is fine, but if you have different options, A or B, mm -hmm. I mean, Jesse's a menswear expert, so he probably has a good idea <laughs> of what will work. And then once that outfit is all set and ready to go, and you absolutely have to have a rope around your waist, and Chan has to be feeding it to you as you go into the other dimension or whatever, um, you need to have a GoPro on your head and film it for our, for our show. This could be a live streaming event as well, you know what I mean? Not for you, camera A. Camera C, I love you. <laughs> camera A, you know what you did. The point is, you're gonna go into that hole, you're gonna look like a fool, and you're gonna have the time of your life. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Nate and Chan, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We're taking a break from the theater, the Sidney Goldstein Theater, that is, at San Francisco Sketchfest. You have two television programs available for viewing, John. I'm not taking a break from the theater. I was born for the theater. <laughs> the musical theater of television, that is. The television show up here on Hulu? That is the one I'm talking about. I play Tom, the weird dad, in Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez's brand new musical romantic comedy up here. If you haven't watched it yet, please uh, check it out. It's a, it's a real toe tapper, a real heartwarmer. It's a lot of fun. And of course, while you're over at Hulu, why, why not do a little rewatch of Dicktown? It's probably been a day or two since you watched that great cartoon that David Reese made and I was and I and I helped. Jesse Thorne, what do you have going on with you in your life, though? Of course, you can shop from me in the Put This On Shop at PutThisOnShop.com or on Instagram at Put.This.On. And there's a really cool interview this week uh, on Bullseye, my NPR interview show, with Delroy Lindo one of the most wonderful actors in America and just a brilliant, uh, sincere, powerful dude. Just a yeah. really remarkable man. I love Delroy Lindo. And recent, just a few weeks ago on the podcast, I was like, what's going on with Delroy Lindo? I haven't heard from him in a while. Now I get to hear from him on the great interview show, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Thank you, Jesse, for interviewing Delroy Lindo. Let's get back to the Sydney Goldstein Theater. Please welcome to the stage, Julie and John. Julie and John. What's going on with Julie and John, Julie Jesse? brings the case against her partner, John. John made a recording of himself beeping every 20 seconds to help with his stretching routine. He calls it a stretching app. Julie says, that's not an app. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. <laughs> Julie, John, you may be seated. What? You recorded yourself beeping, John? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, okay. <laughs> well, so it it wasn't like on regular in intervals, so it couldn't just be twenty seconds over. It was ten seconds and twenty, so I had to manually beep. Whoa, 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 whoa. you're explaining <laughs> the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> you recorded yourself. Saying beep? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, and he's, he's getting his Series C funding right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he certainly does have the glasses and the sh evening shorts. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be a tech pioneer. He's an app inventor. John, do you know what an app is? Because this sounds to me like a voice memo. <laughs> Julie, would you agree? I would 100% agree. Thank you for, thank you for agreeing. Tell, tell me about John and what's going on in your lives. 
Uh, so much. Have you met before? <laughs> we have. We you, have. Live, you live together. We do. We are cohabitate you, you, with two children. Cohabitate with two yes, children. Yes, mated successfully twice. Oh, so. well, well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> mated successfully twice. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Is that what this show is now? <laughs> I don't know. Relationship status is a hard thing to say. Um, Three times, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. So, but John's an exercise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, John's an exercise guy, and he decided he was going to make this recording to help him with his stretching, which is fine, but he keeps referring to it as his exercise or stretching app. And I'm like, <laughs> words have meaning, and it's a recording. There are apps that exist that will beep at you, and they offer the opportunity to buy things within the app, and then they drain you dry. Why don't you use one of those? Well, it, it was getting that, that, that frequency I wanted. I couldn't find it quick, the 20 seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. Right. No, so sure I, I made my recording into a, an app icon that I just touch it. It's just like a regular app from the iStore. From the iStore. just store. like a regular <laughs> app from the iStore. <laughs> <laughs> the initial public offering next month on NASDAQ. <laughs> jo- John? Yes. Yes. What is the name of your app? Uh, six Minute Stretch. They're running buses down Valencia Street to John's house to bring all the tech workers. <laughs> not, ver- not, not a very zippy name. It's, it gets to the point. Yeah, that's true. And you've reached your target audience <laughs> of one. <laughs> John, Julie points out that you've made it successfully twice. Your genetic material is out there. What do you care about stretching? You're done. It's over. It's over for you. It's over for all of us. Why do you need to be in shape? I just, I just uh, have poor work ergonomics, so it's nice to be yeah. flexible. So what does exercise do for you? What, what does this stretching routine do for you? Does it recenter you? Do you, do you is it meditative? Does it help you feel limber and it help does, you show off your legs? <laughs> it, does, it does help me feel limber, and it, uh, it definitely makes me feel less stiff. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate both those things. Um, and step by step, what is the stretching routine exactly? Uh, quad stretch. For how long? 20 seconds, okay. each side. Each then, side. then uh, lunge stretch, toe touch. Right. Then, but how, uh, much, how long for that? 20 seconds, 10 20 seconds sec- off. 10 seconds, okay. And then no, 20 I'm seconds. having difficulty <laughs> That's visualizing. That's why you need Can the you app. just do it? Well, I, I could. I could. Can you just do it for us? Judge yeah. Hodgman. I want to see this app. If we were going to make him do it, we would have to have the app installed into this theater. <laughs> well, as it so happens... The, the app is free for download <laughs> if you know Julie. <laughs> John, would you mind doing the routine so we can see the app in, I, I, in I, process? I, I could, yeah. Okay, but why don't you step over here okay. to camera A. Yeah. And before we do this, just so you know, Julie, obviously I find in your favor. Um, <laughs> Uh, but let's let's see how it goes before we um, before we let you go. Okay. Let's let's do it. What can we hear the app? Quad stretch one. <laughs> He's doing so for the for the listener at home. 
Uh, he's, he's got one hand uh, on the top of his foot, yep. and then he's doing a ridiculous hop that can't be part of the routine. <laughs> oh, there was... <laughs> For the listener at home, the look on Julie's face of disgust and defeat is priceless. But indeed, Julie, you are not defeated. You are victorious, I find in your favor. Julie and John, thank you. Julie, you may leave. John, you stay there. Bring out the Nest litigants. Let's welcome Rebecca and Sarus. Rebecca and Sarus to the stage, please. <laughs> Rebecca brings the case against her husband, Sarus. <laughs> Dang it! Sarus calls himself a digital native. Rebecca says, that's wrong. She says digital natives are much younger. Who's right? <laughs> Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Sarus, Rebecca, welcome to the courtroom. Rebecca, state your case. Um, he was born in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> But says he was a digital native. <laughs> and clearly he is not. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so... <laughs> Sarus, what does it mean to be a digital native? I would argue it means uh, growing up with uh, digital technology. Indeed, I was born in January 1982. Sure. Uh, Two I years also... before I got a, a, an Apple Macintosh 128K. Mm. Yes. Uh, I was fortunate... <laughs> I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household with this very same Mac. Pardon me, Sarus. My I'm hearing some voices on your app. What's going on? Well, that's you announcing the next thing? Okay, I understand. Continue. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household with the very same Macintosh 128K in you 1984. lived in my house? <laughs> I think we lived in a uh, cross-dimensional uh, time warp. <laughs> Through that door that we yeah, saw absolutely, earlier? absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Very exciting. What, um, why do you... <laughs> Rebecca, why do you say that Sarus is not mm -hmm, a digital mm -hmm. native, and, wh and why does it matter? Right, well, <laughs> first of all, yes, he, I don't dispute that he had a computer really early. I don't dispute that he had access to anything early, but it was really like in his house. Right. It wasn't the whole culture. So right. we, we have two children, as the, the previous litigants. You've, you've made um, it successfully. Yes, twice. twice. Um, and, and just seeing how they interact with technology, it's so different than, than us. Yes. Yeah. Actually, John, I think I heard your child on the recording. <laughs> is that true? Oh, I see. Oh, I think you still, you still have some, your, your app is still in beta to be the kindest about it. When you say they interact with technology completely differently, you mean they don't ever write a little program to make a turtle draw a picture of a sailboat? <laughs> well, exactly. And they don't know Oregon Trail, and it's not, uh, you know, a touchstone for them because it's just part of their life. Like today, my daughter, I was driving her home. She asked me, how do you spell... Yeah. <laughs> How do you spell abracadabra backwards? And I said, gosh, I don't know. She's like, I'll ask Siri. Like, <laughs> That's how they, they live in a completely just, digital yes, world. Exactly. Now, right? mm -hmm. all, of the, all of information is at their fingertips. Exactly. All yeah. 608 episodes of Judge John Hodgson yes. are, are being played for them. And as she they has see. listened right. to some. Yes, she has exactly opinions. Right. Exactly. John, yeah. how much longer does this go on? <laughs> What's that? Last two stretches? Last two stretches? <laughs> last two oh, stretches. Okay, so Sarus... <laughs> You do it, John. You got this. You got this, John. Thank you. 
<laughs> What's happening? Okay. <laughs> like they know what an app is for real. Sure. So you know. <laughs> All I've ever wanted myself as a, as a parent is to, um, to to raise my children well enough that they could eventually replace me. That's the job. Do you right. know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate, Sarus, that you may feel erased by your children who are genuine digital natives uh, because you claim, <laughs> you hold on to this status uh, with, the, with the death grip of a dying man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's time to let go eventually. And whether it's... Being the parent of actual human children, or the co-parent with with your friend of a of a podcast and live <laughs> entertainment, I'm really glad to know that Jesse, we're apparently no longer necessary because, frankly, John's killing it, <laughs> and Rebecca made the funniest joke of the night. So. <laughs> Why is it important to you that you be a digital native? Um. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a tech journalist. I report on this stuff. I, I have been involved in, uh, as you mentioned, the, the Mac 128K. Um, I have with me a, a piece of, of first-hand evidence. But shouldn't it be more... Oh, a piece of first-hand evidence. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll allow it. Whoa, 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 whoa. John, John, come back out here and take a, take a bow. Friends, the star of the show, John. <laughs> what was was that the sound that was indicating that the, the routine was over? All right, we're gonna end our show that way from now on. <laughs> Sarus, I apologize. You came here with a bribe for the I judge, did. so let me see what it is. I have with me a brochure that came with this original 1984 128K Whoa. Macintosh that Whoa. has been saved in my childhood home, right. uh, and I framed some years ago, yeah. uh, along with this uh, autograph of Steve Wozniak. Yeah, it says um, to Sarus, yeah. from Woz. From Woz, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> in addition, my, my other evidence is that um, you may know uh, from um, the... So my hometown is Santa Monica, California, which was fortunate enough it's to amazing have... amazing that he was able to sign it so clearly, given he was surely riding a Segway at the time. Of it's the true, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, Santa Monica, California has the, the world's first uh, BBS, bulletin board system. This yes. was a, an archaic, now archaic, uh, 1980s-era online message board system that I used in elementary school. Right. Uh, and, and I feel like I'm the only person who remembers that it even existed. Um, Rebecca? Uh-oh. And that's I mean, the first exact of all, point. Can we stipulate yes. to... to what an incredible accomplishment it is for you <laughs> to have been born and lived in a period of time. <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from that. Right, and so that's my exact point, is that that's amazing how special, how unique, how novel, how not part of the entire culture that was. Like, <laughs> First our, of all, like, <laughs> this, is a, this BBS story, universally relatable. <laughs> Everyone here, not just me and Sarus, 
would go to the coffee shop, get a copy of Micro Times, look in the back, find some phone numbers, use our mom's computer to dial in, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, get to play an R-rated text game. <laughs> when I when I went to college, a, a very pale man came to my dorm room and said, "Do you want the internet?" <laughs> And I said, sure. And he brought a wire in and connected it to what was then my Mac SE. I had moved on in, in time. Time does move on. And I, I opened up a BBS, and there were two conversations happening. Two, one conversation was a debate over whether or not the character Deckard in Blade Runner was a replicant or not. <laughs> and the other conversation was just prose erotica. And it's exactly the same now. Sarus, <laughs> did you have an answering machine growing up? Yes. Right. Uh, did you have a landline? Yes. Did you have a touchtone or even a rotary phone? Uh, I used a rotary phone at my grandparents' did house. Did you have a fax machine? Yes. Did you ever see a zine? Yes. Yes. You lived in a special time. I don't know why. Your children are creatures of the digital era. You are a crossover event between the analog and the digital world. You should be celebrating that. I know you don't want to, yeah. <laughs> because it means you're old. You're old, you're 10 years younger than me, and you're old. <laughs> Look at me, your future. I find in Rebecca's favor, sorry, sorry. Wow. Rebecca and Sarus, please welcome Sam and Laura. Sam brings the case against their partner, Laura. Sam and Laura share a table while they work from home. Laura likes to tell Sam to look at their pets when the pets do something cute. <laughs> Sam would like Laura to stop doing this because it's too distracting. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Uh, first of all, welcome to the courtroom. You may be seated. And if you are more comfortable, you don't have to sit on, you know, I, I also choose not to sit on stools um, because I'm going to fall over. Uh, Sam and Laura, welcome. Uh, what do you think, what do you think Cerise should call himself if he's not, I, like, you know, I'm just trying to give this podcast up to uh, people who can make better jokes than me. And uh, it's kind of a Willy Wonka type situation. And uh, I, uh, you have a suggestion for... Like he's analog and digital, like dig, anadig or dig, dig, digalog. I don't know. You all workshop it. Come up uh, when you come to open court. Let me know. Uh, meanwhile, let's get to your case. You deserve to be heard. Um, who brings the case? I do, Judge. And Sam, you and Laura work at home near yes. to each other. Yes, most of the time we work uh, in our living room together. And and Laura is distracting you, or? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Laura, what do you do? Um, I work at a nonprofit. Oh, okay. When you're, but I mean, when you're not working at the nonprofit and distracting Sam, <laughs> oh. how, he's claiming that you're distracting him. How, do you, how is this happening? Oh, how am I distracting? Yes. Um, I see the pets do something cute. We have three animals, and I just can't help myself. I have to get Sam to look, especially when they do something that's time sensitive, like rolling and showing their belly, or, you know, they have their tongue sticking out, or. They got something stuck in their face, on their nose, um, or when the, the, our dog and the cats are starting to get closer, if they're cuddling for the first time or closer than they've been, I 
I don't want to miss that moment or have Sam miss that moment. And I presume that you sent in some evidence. Oh, of course. <laughs> Richard Roby, show me the pets. No. <laughs> I don't know. Should I look? I don't want to look. I'm really busy right now hosting this show, but all right. Oh, come on. Who are they? What are their names, if I may ask? The one with the white belly is Soba, and the black one is Rolaren. Um, oh. Any Star Trek fans out there? <laughs> no, there are no Star Trek fans here. No. no Star Trek fans, no tabletop gamers. Not here. Um, they're very adorable. Do you have another? And uh, do you have another piece of evidence to submit? Let's see. Yeah, I think so. Oh, no. <laughs> what is the name of this dog? This is Cowboy. Cowboy the dog. Follow-up question: Can I eat him? <laughs> what does Cowboy have on his nose? It's a little it's, leaf. It's a little <laughs> <laughs> Why did you answer, Sam? What do you care? <laughs> Why do you hate looking at these pets so much, Sam? <laughs> I'm not, I promise I'm not a monster. I look at them like so much. Like cowboys, he's like my best friend. Sure. I, you know, and I do throughout the day, like I love being able to work from home with my partner and our pets, but you know, I think, I, I think I've just gotten so used to how cute they are. It's like, I don't need to see every single time they're cute. Oh, you've gotten <laughs> so used to how cute they are. <laughs> that you stopped seeing how cute, you've stopped appreciating them. You spend so much time in the same room with creatures that you love that you no longer appreciate or even see them, basically. Is that right, Laura? That it kind of feels like that. Something like that? How often, how often does Laura ask you to look at the pets? I think it depends on the day, how distracted they are. I, I would say like at max, maybe like 10 times. Ten times a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ten times a work day or from oh, just the work a waking day. day. Oh, yeah. in the work day. Mm -hmm. Well, that is quite a bit, Laura. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but they're pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say that uh, we have, a, we have a, a very dumb cat in our house. <laughs> and I, I say that only because I love that cat. And it's very true. It's a dumb, dumb cat. This, I have seen this cat um, sleeping under a coffee table and then stand up and hit her head. <laughs> the least amount of field awareness I've ever seen an animal, especially a cat have. Just like, boom. Sobo would do that. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, uh, and that's a fun thing to see when you catch it. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely the case that in our family, because she just is so dumb and is often just staring off into space in the middle of a hallway, you walking in and you, you see her go, ah! <laughs> and it's just a cat staring off into space, which maybe isn't worth the interruption. I'm trying to say is maybe not all of, I mean, I appreciate the time-sensitive cuteness. Definitely a tongue sticking out of the mouth and a leaf on the nose, for heaven's sake. Grab your camera. <laughs> but don't you think, Laura, it might be too much from time to time? Yeah, especially Sam's job requires a lot of focus and mine requires a lot less focus. Um, so I do want to be respectful of their need to actually focus on work. What, what, is, what is the work that requires so much focus, focus that you do, Sam? Uh, I'm a transportation engineer for a city. For a city? <laughs> for this city. The city of San Francisco? Yes. 
What? Holy moly, we really do have some infrastructure nerds in the house. I mean, I, that sounds good, but I wouldn't ever think to applaud it until I knew more. What does that involve exactly? Uh, I specifically do a lot of like traffic signal timing work, so I. Oh. I yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The judge is hugging the litigant. <laughs> and that's sincere, because you know I'm a former traffic counter. That was my I, job. I did. I wrote in about it, Yeah, actually. I sat. You, oh, you wrote in about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've corresponded? Yes, yeah. Laura, you want to take a break? <laughs> Let's talk about traffic counting just for a sec. Just for a, just a millisecond. Sure, sure. What did you write when you wrote in? Because I well, regret that I don't remember. I, I think you had mentioned on an episode that you were hired to count traffic, and you didn't that's really right. know why. No. So I wrote in about, like, kind of why that data is needed and what we do with it. Yeah, no, you explained, uh, now I remember you yeah. explained a, a, a deep mystery to me. Because <laughs> yeah. I would go out at 7 a.m. to an intersection in New Haven, Connecticut, mm -hmm. with five different clickers and count which cars go straight, which cars goes left, which cars go right, and so on. And I never knew why I was doing it. I came, I mean, I got, I got paid $12 an hour in 1990, which is $1,000 a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> you know that bottle. That bought a lot. That bought a lot of bourbon and comic books. I'll tell you what. The ad in the newspaper just said, uh, "Traffic company seeks Yale graduate to count." I was a student at the time. I'm not that old. <laughs> I was a first year student, and I wanted to make a little extra money, and it was a great way to get to know the the, the Paris of Southern Connecticut, New Haven. <laughs> But I had no idea why I was doing it. And, and as I mentioned, and I'll say it again, I would have to go and meet my, my handler once a week in a different location every time. She was the one who told me where to go and I would turn in my numbers for that day. And one time I said to her, why, why am I doing this? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> John, are you 100% that you weren't working for the CIA? <laughs> I, I honestly thought that it might be like a psychological experiment <laughs> to see just how far we can push him. How, how big of a rule follower is he? Because there was no one checking up on me. I had no idea whether, like, I could have just put in any numbers I wanted. I thought maybe it was a psych experiment, but now I realize it was a recruiting experiment and I failed, apparently. Your handler is looking at the piece of paper like, 69 cars again? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Saturday, there were 420. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you mentioned you work for a nonprofit. I think it's only fair to ask what your nonprofit does. Uh, they work with the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Almost as important as the timing of traffic signals. I'd say they're equally important. Yeah. So what would you have me rule if I were to rule in your favor, Sam? Um, I, I think like a, a limit to how many times or some kind of like... What's the limit? What's the limit? <laughs> Set like, a limit. Maybe like three times a day. Three maybe... times a day. So you're telling me, Sam, that if Laura points out three cute things and then all of a sudden those two cats are riding cowboy like a horse, <laughs> you don't want to know about it? What if there's an emergency cuteness situation? Yeah, I would want to know. You would want to know, wouldn't you? <laughs> Laura, do you feel sometimes that the issue is not so much Sam won't look at the cats, but that you would, you would like his attention and you're not getting it? 
A little bit. Um, I, like I said, I I don't have to focus as much, and so any point. He doesn't I, need to focus that much. <laughs> you should he's see. You the, should see. It's he's insane. Not turning, he's not. Man, he's not. He's not manning the stoplights himself. <laughs> He's not like looking at a camera going, okay, this is gonna be red in five, four, three, two. Go for yellow, all right. Stand by for red, stand by for red. Do we have the walk sign going? Okay, let's see it. Five, four, three, solid hand on, zero, go. Okay, go for solid hand. Stand by for red, stand by for, and here we go, red. It's hard work. It's not what's happening. I don't know what he's telling you. He's playing a video game. Um, but, but, you know, d d d how do you feel when Sam says, I don't want to look at the cats. I don't want to, I don't want to enjoy this with you. Well, for me, the hardest part is that they just don't respond. He doesn't respond? Oh, they, excuse me. They don't respond? Yeah, they just, they're so focused. That's what I'm saying. Their focus is unbreakable. And I will say, oh, look at the cat. And they'll, they'll just keep working. And then like three minutes later, maybe turn around and go, oh, and then they miss it. And that's why I get so frustrated, because I'm like, if you looked right away, you would see the cute thing, and it would be over in a second. Right. First of all, I apologize for misgendering you. Did I do it any other time? Oh, that's OK. OK, I apologize. Are either of you um, vegetarians or vegans? It's, I mean, it's great if you are. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, if you were, then you probably had never been to um, a, a Brazilian uh, barbecue uh, restaurant. There's a chain of them around where they just keep bringing food to your table. I've seen the sign on the freeway. Yeah. It's gross. It's gross. Even as an omnivore, I find it to be a little bit gross. But they have one thing there that I think you could take advantage of, which is you get, when you sit down, they just start bringing you food on skewers. And they will keep going. But you have some control because you get a little, a little, a little disc with a green light. You'll like this sound. <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> on one side, it's a green light, meaning bring me more. And on the other side, it's a red light, meaning I'm taking a break right now. I think you should get, go out to dinner. You don't have to eat there. Just steal one of those things. <laughs> bring it home and have it in a place where Laura can see it. And when you need to focus, because you don't want cars to crash and such, <laughs> you can put it on red. And, and Laura, do you think you could respect that? I could, but we already have something like that. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and it's actually a traffic signal light that you can put each one. Laura, that's even better. See, Jesse, this is the last episode of the podcast ever. We're done. Yeah. They're it's all for, doing it better than me. It's for the best. They got this. So this isn't helping? We haven't used it for that purpose yet. Oh, well, what purpose? Well, never mind. It's not... <laughs> None of my business. If it is reasonable to repurpose your home traffic light and it won't send mixed messages or cause hilarious misunderstandings, then I would suggest, Sam, that you put the red light on, but be thoughtful about it. Do you know what I mean? Don't forget yeah. to put the green light on. You have a great opportunity, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be able to be at home and work from home with, the, with both the person and the animals that you love, and you want to take advantage of that. So make sure that there's a certain amount of green light, but I think it's reasonable to indicate to your partner, I just need a little bit of focus time here. And, you know, I basically, I would say to you, Laura, is just, you know, 
rig up cameras throughout your apartment so that you capture everything. We have one watching our dog right now. <laughs> really? Do, can, do you have a live camera that I can look at right now? Yeah, I might take a sec to load, though. Uh, yeah, I'll look at it in a little bit. Okay. Uh, it's, but get it's, lo- it has get night loaded, vision. Get loaded up, because Jesse's going to sing a song in a second. I'll come take a look for you. With you. All right. This is the sound of a gavel. Thank you. Judge John Hodgson will that as well. That's it for this week's episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our thanks to all of those litigants who joined us on stage at the Sidney Goldstein Theater. A very special thank you to the fine people at SF Sketchfest for employing me when I was indigent out of college in 2006 and 2007, I'm going to say. 2008, maybe? Beep. Something like that. Sorry, Jesse. I'm doing my stretching routine. <laughs> Evidence and photos from our show are posted on our Instagram account at instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Follow us there. Uh, you can also find the photos at MaximumFun.org on the Judge John Hodgman page for this episode. Beep. Work on quads. Uh, join the conversation on Reddit, MaximumFun.reddit.com. Uh, thank you to Redditor Acone419 for naming this week's main case. And for being, I'm going to say, a pioneering graffiti artist in New York in the late 1970s. That's what that sounds like to me. Acone419. Beep! Submit your disputes at MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. That's MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. Hang on, Jesse. Beep! Time to do my hammies. Dadgummit. Judge John Hodgman created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. This episode recorded by Matthew Barnard, produced by Valerie Moffat, Richard Roby, and Jennifer Marmer. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. Beep! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.